Amen. You may be seated. Uh, my name is Brent Fugate. I'm the senior pastor here at Byfield Parish. If you're visiting here with us today, thank you for being here. Uh, I also, all the kids, or most of the kids that carry the flags are already gone, but do just want to reiterate a big thank you to those kiddos. Uh, several of them were quite nervous, uh, but part of the reason we do things like this here at Byfield is to give our kids an opportunity to lead in a spiritual space. And so hopefully that was a good experience for those kids and they'll be able to lead effectively as they rise up to be the next generation of Christian followers. Uh, so I, this is a weird kind of reference to start off a sermon with, but in 1975, there was a British musician named Ian Hunter. And he released a song he had written titled, Once Bitten, Twice Shy. And that track rose to number 14 on the UK singles chart. But that's, that's not the Once Bitten, Twice Shy most people remember. The one most people re remember came out 14 years later. It was the glam rock band, Great White, that recorded a cover of the song. And that version topped out at number five on the Billboard Top 100. Anybody that remembers that version, you, it might make you feel a little bit better. In our society, there's this, there's this kind of idea that things are the worst that they have ever been. And, and that may be true, but if you go back and watch the music video of Once Bitten, Twice Shy, it will make you feel a little bit better about where we're at today as a society. Once Bitten twice shy is an idiom that has been around in the English language for a long time. There is no record of who said it first or even when it became broadly used. It describes a phenomenon that we have all experienced in some area of life. A child that gets bitten by a dog is going to be more fearful of dogs Moving forward, a young man that has his heart broken by his first love is going to be more wary in the future. A businesswoman who loses out on a big deal will be more paranoid subsequently. We live in a world filled with traumatic occurrences to varying extents. The different events that inflict pain on people impact the way those same people handle themselves moving forward. In general, the more trauma a person or a group of people has experienced, the more it is going to leave a mark on them. This is especially the case in relationships. Broken trust, rejection, and abuse in past relationships leaves a mark. The closer and more trusted the person that was responsible for the hurt, the more significant the effect. In today's verses, we are going to see the extent to which trauma impacts people in their relationship with God. Please turn with me now to Exodus chapter 6. We will begin 
reading in verse 1, and we'll go through verse 13. Those are verses on page 45 in your pew Bible and will be projected on the screens behind me. That is Exodus chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. But the Lord said to Moses, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand he will send them out, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of his land. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians and I will deliver you from slavery to them and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people and I will be your God and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians." I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses. Because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. So the Lord said to Moses, Go in, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the people of Israel go out of his land. But Moses said to the Lord, Behold, the people of Israel have not listened to me. How then shall Pharaoh listen to me? For I am of uncircumcised lips. But the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a charge about the people of Israel and about Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt. Amen. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord remains forever. The people of Israel are once bitten, twice shy. It is not hard to understand why their lives have been hard, filled with slavery and injustice. The experiences they have had broke their spirits to such an extent that they are not even capable of receiving the good news Moses has for them from God. Broken spirits are a problem for many today. We may not have the scars of taskmasters on our backs, but we do have scars on our souls. The trauma that has been experienced in people's lives affects the way they respond to God. God is aware that this is the case. He comes to us in the midst of our trauma. God gives Moses an amazing message to pass on to the people of Israel in today's passage. God first reiterates who he is. This may seem 
redundant to us. For those of you that have been here for multiple weeks, God keeps on telling us through these scriptures who he is. It was just a few weeks ago that God was with Moses at the burning bush, and he explained himself in that event. If you were reading through the book of Exodus, that conversation between Moses and God was only three chapters previous. God continually reminds Moses and anyone else who he is for a couple of reasons. One, it is incredibly important. And two, we easily forget. In the final verses of chapter 5, just preceding today's verses, Moses had aggressively questioned God. It is clear his expectations of who God is are not matching up with his experience. He had asked, Oh Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people. And you, you have not delivered this people at all. Moses is making it clear that God must not be who he says he is. If he were, the situation would be different. Moses' understanding of who God is needs a bit of work. This is especially the case considering Moses is going to be the one introducing God to the people of Israel. He needs to be constantly reminded who God is so he can communicate that to others. Describing one person to another is always hard. Normally, we talk about physical features. He's medium height, bald, and has a mustache. It sounds like I'm playing the game Guess Who with my kids. When describing someone, we might also include personal attributes. She's really funny, serious, or easy to get along with. Normally, we make a comparison with another person to clarify. Part of the challenge with describing people to others that don't know them is who a person is. There's a lot of variance depending on the situation. God is even harder to describe. God defies description. That is why he reiterates the basics about himself. I am the Lord. I appear to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. Physical descriptors cannot communicate who God is. God doesn't vary by the the situation he finds himself in like people do. In reminding Moses who he is again, God also mentions that what he communicated about himself previously was limited. What seems like new information about God is actually just a deeper revelation of who God is and what he is doing. God didn't let 
Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob know his name. His name, is, his name isn't new. It's not a nickname. The name speaks to God's unchanging nature. God remains the same whether the shifting world acknowledges him or not. When people learn new things about God, it's not because he is different or new in any way. It's only new to us because we didn't know it before. Nothing about God is actually a new development. God commands Moses to pass information on to the people of Israel that will be new from their limited perspective. God has some big plans that are going to change their situation. He says, I will bring you out from under the burden of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. God will bring about a new reality that will allow them to understand who God has always been. God is going to reveal himself through acting on their behalf in the world. God will reveal himself in relationship. This is actually the most significant new information of all. God wants to be their God, and he wants them to be his people. Unfortunately, the Hebrews don't listen to God's message about himself and what he will do given to them through Moses. They don't trust God for the reason I talked about in the intro to this sermon. They are traumatized by their experiences. They did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. The trauma of the Hebrews throughout their lives has had a cumulative effect on who they are as people. Their spirits are broken. Those broken spirits are a barrier to a relationship with God. The cumulative pain has added up. If they listen to Moses, they might develop hope. They might develop hope, and they can't stand to see their hopes dashed again. Not listening is a means of self-protection. If you never hope, you'll never be disappointed. The people of Israel are still being traumatized in their present circumstances. Harsh slavery reinforces their brokenness. All they can focus on is surviving in the circumstances they are in. It appears that Pharaoh's plan is working. Back in the last chapter, after Moses and Aaron gave Pharaoh God's message, they begged him, they begged Pharaoh to comply. 
Pharaoh responded by increasing the work of the Israelites. He had them make bricks without straw. Pharaoh was clear about what he hoped this increased workload would accomplish. He said, let heavier work be laid on the men that they may labor at it and pay no regard to lying words. Pharaoh is wrong about the words of God being lies, but he is right about how the people will respond to their harsh slavery being made even worse. Not listening to God due to spiritual brokenness that results from past or present trauma continues to be a problem for many people today. Some people are kept from listening by their spirits, which have been broken by events in the past. When we think of broken spirits, we often think of a person that seems sad and forlorn. Depressed people seem like their spirits are broken. It is true that trauma often leads to depression. Depression, in turn, inhibits a person's ability to hear God. A broken spirit doesn't always manifest the same way, though. A person who is angry all the time has a spirit that is just as broken as someone who is sad all the time. At present, in our world, there are a lot of people that can't hear God because their response to trauma, their attempt to protect themselves from the hurt and the pain of their world is to respond in anger. Our own sin, our spiritual slavery, traumatizes us. While there is still a lot of actual slavery in our present world, it is a blessing that none of us probably know anyone who is a slave in the traditional sense of the word. All of us know people that are enslaved by their situation in life. Many of the things people are enslaved by are choices they have made. Addiction is a particularly common form of slavery. Those that cannot go without alcohol or some other substance often feel like they're living under a harsh taskmaster. People that cannot resist pornography feel the same way. Sin of all types enslaves. In John 8.34, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Peter writes, For by what a man is overcome, by this he is enslaved. The more sin rules a person, the greater the level of tyranny it will exercise. Sin abuses those subject to it spiritually, psychologically, and even physically. The trauma of sin separates people from God. 
mercifully the broken spirits and harsh slavery that affect how people respond when God, excuse me, the broken spirits and harsh slavery that affect how people respond when God reaches out are not news to God. From Moses' perspective, the response of the Israelites is a barrier that cannot be overcome. When God tells Moses to go to Pharaoh again, Moses says, Behold, the people of Israel have not listened to me. How then shall Pharaoh listen to me? For I am of uncircumcised lips. For Moses, the trauma that has made it impossible for the people to listen is an obstacle that cannot be overcome. If they won't listen, nothing can be done for them. How can Pharaoh be expected to listen when the Israelites won't? Moses' response is probably a result of his own past trauma impacting him. He had sinfully tried to free the people of Israel before. They didn't listen then. It must feel like history is repeating itself. He, Moses, is once bitten, twice shy. His fear and his shame are keeping him from trusting God. God will not be stopped by human trauma related to other people or sin. He knows why the people respond the way they do. Neither their past hurt nor present circumstances is news to him. He is driven by empathy for their pain. Even when the people's trauma causes them to reject God he is not dissuaded. He charges Moses and Aaron again to bring the people out of Egypt, the land which was the setting for their trauma. God can do what no person can. He can mend broken spirits. He can break loose the bonds of slavery. What is happening in the book of Exodus foreshadows what God will fully accomplish through Jesus Christ. Jesus is the means by which God is initiating a deeper relationship with people. He is the ultimate messenger of who God is, the living embodiment of God. God informed Moses of his divine name so the people would know more who God was. In Jesus, God gave people a person to be able to know who God is. Jesus is the means through which we overcome our trauma. Everything God says about himself in these verses can be said just as truly about Jesus. 
Jesus is the Lord. And he will bring you out from under your burdens and he will deliver you from your slavery to them. And Jesus will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. He will take you to be his people and he will be your God. And you shall know that Jesus is the Lord, your God, who has brought you out from under your burdens. He will bring you into the promised land that God swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Jesus will give it to you for a possession. Jesus is the Lord. The purposes of God are realized in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ entered this world and our lives to overcome our trauma. And the deafness towards God that develops from them. He can break through where no other person can. Jesus has the power to do so. He has the necessary strength to set us free. Jesus has the gentleness to mend our broken spirits. Again and again in the Gospels, we see that Jesus is the most gentle with those who have experienced the most trauma. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not quench. To some extent, we are all once bitten, twice shy. We have all experienced hurt in this world. Our spirits have been broken. Harsh spiritual slavery is not foreign to us. There's tremendous variation in this. There are those here today that could tell stories that would bring tears to every eye. Others are relatively better off. Whatever trauma you have experienced, know that God will not walk away. Jesus will meet you in the midst of your pain, not to sit with you in it. Not only to sit with you in it, but to free you from your imprisonment. God brought the people of Israel out of Egypt to freedom. Jesus does the same. We only have to follow in faith. Our story need not be determined by the hurt in our past, but what God can do for us. The journey from a broken spirit to a restored one is long. But Jesus is capable of doing what we cannot. Through him, our spirits can experience healing that allows us to progress in faith, hope, and love. Let's pray. Dear Lord, none of us can fix each other and none of us can fix ourselves. We may be able to come up with 
different defense mechanisms for our past hurt and trauma that allows us to function in this world to, to a greater extent than we would be otherwise, but we cannot heal ourselves ultimately. You can. Through Jesus, through your spirit, we can be healed. Dear Lord, I pray that you would heal us. I pray that our trauma, our hurt, our pain would not be a barrier to your work in our lives, that you would continue to be present and that you would lead us out of our spiritual slavery, Lord, that you would heal our broken spirits. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.